0: This is the Bald Scientist Podcast, where we talk about science, from the factual to the fictional, and sometimes a bit of both, with the good doctor, Oney R. Pagan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special holiday episode of the Bolt Scientist podcast. I am, of course, your host and favorite Bolt Scientist, One. I hope you and yours are staying safe and healthy, and I also hope that you are already enjoying some leisure, well-deserved leisure holiday time. To my student peeps, congratulations. Another semester on the books. I am kind in a reflective mood this year, (laughs) at the end of the year, and I have so many things to be grateful for. Today is December the 23rd, and in exactly one week from today I will turn 57. When did the quote-unquote dude in the mirror became quote-unquote sir? (laughs) I am grateful for that, don't get me wrong. I'm also grateful for being in reasonably good health, grateful of course for Mrs. Ball Scientist, grateful because I have all my children with me, grateful because i returned to teach and research in person and for so many other things i am also grateful for you my peeps and tweets social media has many not so good things but without a doubt it has allowed me to meet people who in all likelihood i would not have met otherwise i even got a twitter sister hi jen (laughs) i am also grateful for and you knew this was coming for my latest book Drunk Flies and Stone Dolphins. You know me and where this is coming from. This is unapologetic geekiness. If you want to know more about it, I have appeared in a few podcast interviews that I have shared on social media, and it has been a lot of fun, and I will be more than happy to talk to you about it at any time. Thank you, one and all, for your kind comments about the book. Those of you who have gotten it and tagged me on social media with it, and especially to two incredible friends who shared my enthusiasm for this live event of mine and helped me launch it online. First, Melissa, the intrepid host of the Bewildered Beast podcast, and Sophia, science communication Jedi Master and host of the Biologist Apprentice, and her new podcast, Animalitos y Plantitas. The launch of Drunk Flies and Stone Dolphins wouldn't have been as fun as it was without you. So again, from the bottom of my heart, Thank you. In terms of science, writing, and communication, there's more ideas for books and other things that I have on the, on the proverbial pipeline for you, and I will, of course, keep you all posted. In the meantime, I do have available copies of My Strange Survivors, the book and the audio CD versions, and a few copies of Drunk Flies and Stone Dolphins. Some of you have inquired me about signed copies, so please shoot me an email to orpaganatyahoo.com or contact me on Twitter, at BoldScientist. Now, for today's short episode, I will introduce what I hope will become a regular feature. I plan to give you a weird but plausible science story, probably likely biology most of the time, in every episode. This beautiful world of ours is full of, apparently, anomalous phenomena, which can undeniably be examined through science and mathematics. What I plan to do is to read you the story of whatever phenomena we want to talk about, and then I will include, whenever available, references or other material in the show notes. To begin this, I would like to read to you two passages from Drunk Flags and Stone Dolphins. One of them is about what happens when songbirds become, well, drunk, and the second one it's a story that links the beautiful, sweet idea of Santa Claus with well, psychopharmacology. <laughs> Curious? Here we go. Okay, you're gonna love the first example. It's on page 206 of Drunk Flies and Stone Dolphins, and it's a section titled Drinking Songbirds. I need hardly tell you that music is an integral part of every human culture that has ever graced our planet. Music can express feelings of love and hate, sorrow and happiness, patriotism and nostalgia, among many others. I also need hardly tell you that feelings, whether in private experience or public ritual expression, are a frequent impetus for alcohol consumption in humans. It is no surprise then, that music and drinking coalesce in many human populations when trying to express the myriad emotions that make up the human condition. In fact, there is a whole genre devoted devoted to the integration of singing and alcohol, drinking songs. Drinking songs are frequently sung in, in a ceremonial or recreational setting, oftentimes by a group of friends or even very recent acquaintances, say at a bar on New Year's Eve, as a way to bond over some of those aforementioned feelings. As these songs are not usually performed for a paying audience, zeal is prized over skill, and in general, technique is the least important component of drinking songs. Strict adherence to the lyrics is often optional as well. This is a good thing. As excessive alcohol consumption impairs motor function, and as anyone who has been in a bar at New Year's Eve can attest, singing undeniably belongs in this category. In other words, drinking song singers sound drunk. (laughs) Try saying that three times in a row, I'm betting you can't, especially if you've been drinking. Certain bird species, uh, notably and well, rather obviously songbirds, are very proficient at singing. And so you might be interested to hear that when under the influence, they sing drunkenly too. A paper by Dr. Christopher Olson and his collaborators at Oregon Health and Science University in a paper with the right-on-point title of Drinking Songs, Alcohol effect on learned song on zebra finches. Detail the effects of ethanol on the quality and structure of the songs sung by zebra finches, Tanopigia guttata. The zebra finch is not just any songbird. It is considered a near perfect animal model in which to study the motor integration of complex tasks, complex tasks. I haven't been drinking, promise, (laughs) like singing, and its associated neurobiology. Finding an animal model for vocal learning, which is vital to human language development, it's difficult. Many mammals with whom we share other cognitive similarities are, well, rather taciturn. Zebra finches are not only one of the very few species that engage in vocal learning, but the way they learn and produce their songs is surprisingly like the way humans learn and produce speech. So, familiar with the effect of alcohol on humans, Dr. Olson and his friends decided to get these birds drunk. They were surprised to find that they had little trouble convincing the finches to drink, in fact, these birds, given access to alcohol-spiked juice, increased their fluid consumption. And once they're drunk, well, they sang sounding drunk. Their singing was a bit sloppier, a little bit less organized, and it was also a bit quieter. This is a sharp contrast to my experience of drunken humans. The more alcohol consumed by a particular bird, the more its song sounded. One of the best characteristics of the songs of these birds is their complexity, which includes distinct syllables easily identified. Interestingly, alcohol consumption affected different syllables unequally. This is much like when humans singing or speaking, uh, when drunk, pronounce certain words without any problem, but find the pronunciation of other words more challenging. For example, occasionally, when a human-led drinking song is in full swing, the uttering degrades to muttering. <laughs> Ditto for songbirds. Also curious was the fact <coughs> excuse me, that the birds had alcohol concentrations around the legal limit for humans, but even when their singing was affected, their flying, perching, and similar motor skills did not seem to suffer, suggesting that other neural areas were involved. I have to say, before I continue reading, that this is in sharp contrast with humans. To date, I know of no other studies on the effect of alcohol on songbirds, but I believe that more research into birds and alcohol is forthcoming. Since I am blessed with an overactive imagination, I cannot help but think what a difficult situation it would be for a scientist, or anyone for that matter, to handle a drunk and possibly belligerent ostrich. One thing is for certain, the awesome paper offers proof of principle, showing without any doubt that birds can and do get drunk and live to tell the tale, if they remember it, that is. Actually, in a footnote, I write that there are videos online supposedly showing drunken ostriches, but I would take those with a big grain of salt, perhaps the salt that you will rim around the, your margarita glass. <laughs> I hope you like this story. The next one, it's directly related to our holiday season. This is from page 233. And it's a probable apocryphal tale that has a connection to the storied, magical flying reindeer that carry that jolly, old soul Santa Claus around the world on Christmas Eve as he delivers presents to the nice and cold to the naughty. But it begins with a very real fungus. The mushroom Amanita muscaria is a beautiful species displaying white stalks supporting a white speckled red cap. Christmassy, right? Its two more common names are fly agaric and fly amanita. Amanita muscaria is native to temperate northern regions, but it is now found worldwide with several subspecies that differ in coloration. The most notable characteristic of amanita mushrooms is that they are all hallucinogenic and not coincidentally are an integral part of shamanic practices around the world. Humans, shamans or otherwise, are not the only habitual consumers of Amanita. The relationship between reindeer and fly agaric is well known. Reindeer actively seek and eat the mushroom, and once they've done so, they act as if they are drunk, sometimes very drunk. Interestingly, reindeer appear able to detect the smell of the chemicals in human urine. They enthusiastically consume the urine of humans that have used Amanita and then excreted, and can get high from that as well, actually. In the words of Dr. Ronald Siegel, Whenever they smell urine in the vicinity, reindeers scamper to the source and start fighting with each other for access to the clump of yellow-stained snow. Apparently, reindeer never heard the advice about not eating yellow snow. <laughs> Okay, that joke. (laughs) To be fair, it seems that reindeer are attracted to urine regardless of the source or whether the originator originator of said urine has consumed psychedelic mushrooms. In fact, one of the techniques that native peoples use to attract reindeer to their camps is to place strategically located buckets of urine, and apparently this works like a charm. In an apart, not, not from the book, but, but in an apart, it may be that <coughs> reindeer, I don't know, collect minerals from urine or something like that. Anyway, I go on. Reindeer behavior in response to feeding on amanita or amanita laced urine, it's well documented in native cultures. This is not the apocryphal part. No, the apocryphal part is the connection between the fly agaric, shamanic culture, reindeer and Santa Claus. A controversial hypothesis proposes that Amanita consumption by native shamans is likely at least partially the origin of the Santa Claus story. Believe it or not, several lines of evidence seem to support this idea, and uh, there is a bunch of uh, references in the back of the book. Christmas iconography is thought to involve a mix of Christian and pagan elements and proponents of the psychedelic Santa hypothesis, which, by the way, that's not what it's called, (laughs) point to a number of symbolic echoes between the Santa legend and shamanic practices in Siberia and other northern cultures. Reindeer were important to the indigenous people of Siberia, And we have already discussed the reindeer connection to amanita mushrooms. There are proposals that the magical properties of Santa's deer came from humans hallucinating flying deer or from tales of a shaman flying high with reindeer as companions. Amanita mushrooms grow under conifers like presents under a Christmas tree. And even today, Christmas ornaments in the shape of red and white mushrooms are common in many Scandinavian cultures. Claims that this beloved character originated from shamanic traditions are far from being universally accepted. Don't write me a letter or an email. But it is certainly an interesting connection to think about, don't you think? Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this small Holiday uh, present from us. Merry everything. Happy everything. I hope you have a, an awesome new year. Stay healthy and safe. I will see you in about a week or so. And please, if you can and if you want to, please remember to rate the podcast, the blog, and the book and review it if you wish. This is your favorite ball scientist, One, signing off. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I couldn't help myself, <laughs> bye-bye.